Ew, gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. Because it stinks, boys. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times, but the odor won't come out. Tell me why. No, you tell me why I can't get rid of this odor. Have you tried Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors. It helps remove them. Wow, it worked, guys. Yeah. Downy Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products. Welcome to the AI Learner's Lounge. I'm your host, Cambria, and this is a podcast where AI meets learning and development. From exploring how AI facilitates individual learning to understanding its integration into broader organizational strategies, we tackle it all. Every episode brings fresh perspectives, innovative ideas, and actionable advice for those looking to weave AI into the fabric of the modern learning Join me as we navigate the intersection of technology and human potential right here on the AI Learner Lounge. Hello and welcome back to the AI Learner Lounge. This is episode seven of our podcast. And today we're going to talk about our evolving foundations in learning and development now that we have access to AI. So a lot of the recent episodes that I've done, they center on being an AI fusionist. And that's because we really need to fuse our own industry expertise and our own domain knowledge and learning and development with AI so that we can have that collaborative partnership. But that partnership's not just teaching AI, it's also learning from it and adapting because of what it's doing. So part of that involves evolving our learning and development foundations, our different models and frameworks and theories and evidence-based approaches so that we can account for AI and the impact it's bringing. When we think about our workforce, it's changing a lot with AI. So back in March, Goldman Sachs predicted that 300 million full-time jobs around the world could be automated in some way because of AI and That's a large number, but it's really consistent with what other studies and papers like OpenAI's GPTs are GPTs found. And what they found was that 80% of the workforce could have at least 10% of their tasks affected. So as the workforce continues to adopt new technology and use AI, the tasks and workflows are changing. And that means the skill requirements are too. So it would make sense that how we approach learning and development and what our learners need might change too. But it is still early and research takes time, so we don't have all the answers as far as what works best for learning and development now that we have AI. But what we can do is really come together as a community and we can experiment and document what we're doing and learn from each other. So back in episode four, I shared a couple of models specifically that felt like AI might bring some needed updates. And one of those was Mayer's principles when it gets to looking at AI voices in particularly. So right now the guidance is to avoid using machine generated voices, but as AI becomes better and as it becomes more realistic, that might be changing and we might need additional guidelines on when that authentic human voice is really important and when we still wanna make sure we have that built in. And then the second one I mentioned was the five moments of need. 
and that we might have a new one. And that's what happens when our assumptions and our expertise is challenged by AI and how we handle that and account for that. And along the same lines, another important model that we can look at for updating and changes to how we apply it is Bloom's taxonomy. So Bloom's taxonomy, it gives us different levels of learning, and that goes from remembering, understanding, all the way up to creating. Now, it's not necessarily a hierarchy. Um, We're not saying some of those are more important than others, but it gives us different places to look when it comes to learning. So what Oregon State University recently did with this, they updated it to some extent. So they didn't change the model. What they did instead, they broke out each level and identified what AI-specific capabilities are for that level and what distinct human skills are required for it. So with that, they gave a recommendation for each on whether different learning activities, different assessments that they have, and possibly even course outcomes should be reviewed based on this new understanding of the Bloom's taxonomy or if they maybe even need to make changes to what those are. So if we look at what they did as an example with remembering, which is being able to recall facts and basic concepts, when they broke that out, AI's capabilities that they listed was to recall factual information, to list different possible answers, to define a a term, things like that. And the distinct human skill that comes along with that is being able to recall information in situations where the technology is not readily available. Now, when we think about how this applies to workplace learning, it's a little bit different context than education. Yes, they have learning objectives and outcomes, but we really need to focus on application and being able to apply what our learners have learned back on the job. So to do that, this is where we really need to take a performance-oriented approach and prioritize the analysis part of our work, identifying first what the performance gap is. Is it worth closing? And then if it is, what are the actual causes for it? A lot of times it's not knowledge related. It could be not having the right resources or it could be the incentives just not there. Employees just aren't getting feedback. So being able to take all that into account and then if it is related to knowledge, identifying whether training is actually the right solution because a lot of times it could just be performance support or a job aid. And that's where different updates and applications of our model become really helpful because when we look at remembering and looking at the distinctly human piece of that, which is recall when technology is not available, that can help us understand what's actually required from us, whether that's a performance support either through AI or not through AI, or if we actually need to get into training. But it's also important to remember not only is technology available, but the context of performance. So is it appropriate to use in that situation? If you're in a consultation with a client, you don't want to bring out ChatGPT on your phone to look something up because that can be embarrassing. You're the subject matter expert. You're expected to have this knowledge and not need to refer to the performance support. So that's going to be important to keep in mind too with this. And then As we think about AI's capacity, we need to continually look at that because it's changing weekly, if not daily. We just recently had a really big change announced with 
OpenAI's announcement that ChatGPT is now going to be able to see and hear and speak. So that really opens up the possibilities for how it can be applied for performance support, whether that's through a back and forth conversation now without having to type on the computer or text on the mobile app and being able to send images to provide additional context. So these are actually going to be rolled out to developers eventually, and that's going to bring even more opportunities. So it's important for us to be aware of what AI can do and what it can't so that we understand how our role fits within this. And it also opens up the possibilities of who can use this and benefit from it as support performance support. So we hear a lot about how ChatGPT can help knowledge workers in their positions, how it can support them and help them not just do their daily tasks, but learn different things and get feedback and support. But now that we have these updates coming with the image prompting and having the back and forth conversations, it makes performance support more accessible to other roles too. So if we think, for example, of a home inspector, when they're out in the field, they're inspecting different houses, they can use the images to identify less common issues, or if they have a question about something, just get some general guidance on it. They can verify compliance with different local codes or use it to dictate their observations and findings. Or we can look at maybe, for example, maintenance text and showing images of different parts so that they can help instantly troubleshoot things. Maybe they're pulling up a manual about a specific part. Maybe the ice cream machines at McDonald's will get fixed faster. So we have all these different opportunities. And with that also comes the need for expanded AI literacy. So positions we may not have been thinking about before, they're going to need it. And it's going to be a different context than it is for our knowledge workers who are continually at a computer accessing ChatGPT or other AI tools. So in episode two, I believe it was, the future-ready workforce, this is where I talked about what it really means to have a future-ready workforce when it comes to AI and just some general guidelines for how we can assess skill needs. As use cases continue to expand to different roles, it's more important than ever for us to focus on First, how the tasks are actually changing, what that looks like so that we can evaluate what those skill needs are and design AI literacy programs and trainings around those specifically. Because what I need as a learning and development professional and what AI literacy looks like for me, it's far different than the maintenance tech or the construction worker or the quality control professional or any other role that we have in our workplaces. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the AI Learner Lounge podcast. Today, we talked about how our foundations in learning and development might need to evolve now that we have AI. I hope you'll join me for our next episode, and you can check out older episodes if you missed them of my podcast as well.